Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Part of reflecting God's glory is being joyful. You ever thought about that? You know, everybody gets down. Everybody goes through valleys. I've been through it. As a matter of fact, you've heard me tell stories before of how I literally would, would um, well, maybe not literally, but I looked down my nose, not like this, you know, but I, I, that would be literally. But I looked down on people who uh, talked about depression and I'm like, you know, just buck up, you know, just suck it up, man, and move on until I experienced it. I didn't know, I didn't think it was a real thing, but it's a real thing. Uh, it's a real thing. And if my mom's watching uh, today, uh, it's kind of like COVID. Whenever I first told her about it, because I gave her COVID, my 89-year-old mom, and uh, when I first told her about it, she's like, oh, that stuff's not real now. That's a hoax. That's, that's not real. And I kept calling and checking on her every day. And whenever uh, she finally started exhibiting some symptoms, and uh, she said, oh, that stuff's real. That stuff's real. <laughs> and, um, you know, depression, it's real. It's a real, it's a real thing. And so there are times where when, even when we're going through that, we can walk in a level that we can still glorify God. Like we don't have to sink into a pit and it's really hard to not do that. Uh, I have, I have sunk into the, the pit, you know, trying to hold yourself. You're just kind of grabbing. It's like one of those people that's walking, uh, through a room and they just lose their composure and they begin to stumble and as they stumble, they're just grabbing for something to hold on to, and they take everything off the table, the tablecloth, everything just goes with them. And sometimes in our, in our lives, we can be like that. We can be sliding, and, and we don't know how to handle it. I'm certainly no expert, but I can tell you this. After you've been there, you know a little bit more about how to handle that. I'm going to tell you how I handled mine. I didn't know what I was dealing with, and I freaked out. I didn't talk to my wife about it because I felt like it was too much for her. And when you're going through things, you know, we say the church is a safe place, and it should be, but it is not always. And I, I reached out to a few people. I even tried to, you know, to send a few cries for help from the pulpit, and, uh, and I don't know that that was wise, but again, you're, you're sliding and you're just, you know, the, and so the pulpit's one of those things. This is a part of, part of my world. And, you know, I put it out there and the next thing I know is I'm getting a call from a friend of mine in another state that somebody in church called him and told him that I had a nervous breakdown at church. <clears throat> yeah, did I feel safe? mm no, it made me not feel safe at all. But what happened to me is I reached out to about three people, <clears throat> two very close to me, that I could share with them raw. I don't know if rawly is a word, but I rawly shared with them. And 
I just told them, I said, man, this is where I'm at. I have no idea what's going on. Well, I could, listen to me. Oh, Jesus, come on, man. Holy Spirit just said, uh, he he reminded me or or, uh, really gave me this revelation of why I was there. Do you know I was at a place where I could not point to anything wrong? There wasn't a situation. I couldn't explain it. It wasn't, well, you're feeling that way because this happened. I couldn't do that. And I just went to them and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've never had this happen in my world before. I was all, I said, I'm, I'm not having suicidal thoughts, but I'm having thoughts of death all the time around me, all the time. I mean, Shay and I would be driving. I don't know if I ever told her this, but she'll find out about it now. Um, I, would, I would be driving down the interstate and all of a sudden I would have a vision of Shay and I brutally mauled in a traffic accident, just mangled in in in. in uh, wreckage on the side of the road and I would and, and we would be dead and then I would hear the voice you would not be missed that I would hear these things and I, I'm experiencing all all of this and I'm like so I told my friends I said listen I'm having these thoughts I'm not thinking about harming myself but I think of harm coming to me And I said, you know, I've never experienced this before. And it was a dark, deep place that even my wife couldn't help me. I didn't feel like I could burden her with that. Maybe I could have, but again, until you've experienced it, you don't know. And so I was going through this. I reached out to people because this is why I did that. Because I didn't trust me. Are you following me? I didn't trust me. All, all I could tell you is that I was just at a dark place in my life. A lot of things were going on in my life, and I couldn't tell you why they were going on. And this is what Holy Spirit said to me just a few minutes ago. He said, I let you go through that when there were no physically observable or circumstantial uh, situations in your world so that you could experience it for what was coming your way. Because I'm telling you what, just a few years later, I went through some things and you went through them with me that I was not prepared for, but that prepared me. Now, just think, I thought I was a wreck there. Think of how a wreck I would have been if the Lord had had not given me some wisdom and almost like a trial run. So there are times in your life when God, he will let you go through some things that are, it's not about anything that you've done wrong. It's not about anything that you're not doing right. Why do we always think that, well, what am I doing wrong? Why, why, why do we do that? Because Satan, he is the accuser of the brethren. And the very first train of thought is always, whenever something goes wrong, is what did I do wrong? I mean, very few people would go, well, it ain't my fault. You know, narcissists, those kind of folks, they they always think it's somebody else's fault. But I have always been that kind of person where the enemy takes me to this place of, well, I must have done something wrong. Like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? But here's what the Lord says. He says, there are times in your life when you go through things that it's not about you, It's not even about anything that's going on in your world. It's about something that's yet to come. 
The Lord is preparing you. The Lord is preparing, just like he prepared me. He's preparing you. So many times, I want to challenge you, church. Many times, when we get into situations, you begin to look at yourself and, did I, did I, did I leave the job too soon? Is that why I'm in this situation? Did I hurt her feelings? Did this happen? Did that happen? Did that? And they're just swirling all around you. And it's like, God, just stop. Because I'll tell my wife this all the time. I will tell her, babe, we just need to stop. We just pause. Let's pause and let's pray about it. Pause and pray. Let's just stop and ask God, God, where are you in this? Are you following me? God, where are you in the middle of this chaos? Because God doesn't create the chaos, but he is in the chaos. He wasn't, he wasn't the storm when the prophet looked out and there's this mighty storm and a mighty earthquake. He, was, he, wasn't, he didn't cause that, but God's presence was there. God showed up in the small whisper. This year, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago, I said this to you. I said, uh, you're going to go to your house. And I said, this is going to sound strange because the, have you ever tasted something that smelled like something else. It's weird. Like I used to take, I used to, uh, I used to take this medicine as a kid. I think my mom, it was milk of magnesia or something like that. It tasted like chalk smelled. I don't know how chalk tastes. I, I never ate it. I wasn't one of those crayon eaters like some of y'all. You know, I didn't eat crayons and chalk, but it tasted like chalk smells. And this is what I said. I said it because the Holy Spirit said, now, whether you did it or not, I did. I said, you're going to go home today, and there's going to be a smell in your house of peace. There's going to be a smell in your house. Now, can you smell peace? No, you can't smell peace. But can God smell praise and worship? He can. Somehow, it's a sweet-smelling sacrifice to him. And when I walked into my house that day, I smelled, it was, I guess it's some kind of holiday smell. Well, I was thinking that it was going to be some kind of smell you never smelled before. It, no, God can do a wonder in however he chooses to do it. And most of the time, a wonder is a natural, it's something in nature that's just kind of like, wow, how did that happen? I walked into the house and the Lord said, there's your peace. And I just stood there in the laundry room for a second. I know that's a strange place for it to smell good, but it smelled. There was a, such a peace when I walked in there. And for the last several years, I have dreaded Christmas. Um, I just, uh, can we just fast forward through it? It's, I've just not been at a place in my life where I have enjoyed Christmas for, for years um, we go through the motions of putting up Christmas decorations and that kind of thing. And this year, we put our Christmas decorations up in November uh, at the very first week of the month, I believe. And we are not those people, all right? So don't be sending me no hate emails. We are not those people. Uh, we typically put ours up around Thanksgiving, but because our schedule is so busy, it's the only week that we had that we could put it up. So we, we I mean, we had folks in our neighborhood. I told Shay, our, our neighborhood has multiple personality disorder. We got houses that are decorated uh, like 
Frankenstein and Halloween. We have houses that are decorated like Turkey and Thanksgiving. And here we are, the first people in the neighborhood that, that have uh, Jesus uh, all decked out. And, you know, I was putting all of this stuff up and I recognized something had changed in me. I'm like, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. And I'm like, I literally was outside. I don't even think I told Shay about this. I was outside and I'm like, I, this is actually fun. And I haven't felt that in years. I'm telling you what, guys, Holy Spirit is restoring some stuff. I mean, that might be a little thing to you, but it's not to me. I mean, my God, this is the birth month of our Savior. Not literally. It's the one that we choose because we don't truly know when he was born, the, the, the exact day. But this is the time that we as Christians celebrate Jesus. This should be one of the most joyful times of the year because of what he came to do. And I don't know if you've been through times in your life, maybe I'm just a one-man show up here talking to myself. It's a one-man sermon. But I'm telling you what, God is doing a work in my life when it comes to this. And it feels good. it's, It's joyful. It's joyful. There's hope in that. I want you to uh, look at this. This is, this is the verse I read you at the very beginning. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will be overflowing. Your joy will overflow. Now, if we went around and we took a vote of everybody in this room, how many of us will say that our joy is overflowing? I don't know. It might be 100%. But I know I would not, it wouldn't be because mine's not overflowing yet. And I know that there's the potential for that to happen because if Jesus said it, then it's possible. And I want my joy to overflow even in the middle of situations. I'm not going to talk to you about how to do that today. I'll do that next week. But I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this statement. Salvation is not to save us from hell, but salvation is to save us for the Father. I don't know how many years I lived my life with, uh, under the, the uh, understanding of, man, thank God I'm not going to hell. I, don't, I ain't even paying attention to heaven. As a matter of fact, when I was a young boy, I didn't want to go to heaven, just not yet. I wanted to have babies. I wanted to get me a wife uh, in the reverse order. I, I wanted to get me a house, a job, a car. I wanted to do life. And I, I, I didn't, man, they preached hell hot and Jesus coming quick when I was a kid. And it's like, y'all better get right with the Lord because he might come before this service is over. And all of that is true. But I had the fear of God in me. And I had a little bit of condemnation because I'm like, you know what? I, I want to go, but not right now. I want to meet that girl. I want to get them kids. I want to get that house. I want to get that car. You know, I, I wanted to live my life, but I felt guilty about that. Yet, most of the time when I was growing up, we pressed people towards salvation out of fear. Well, God's not giving us a spirit of fear. So why should we drive people to salvation through fear? But salvation is not so much about saving us from hell. Guys, that's really just a fringe benefit. That's just a beautiful perk of salvation. 
Salvation, why did he come in the first place? Salvation is to save us for the Father. And this is what I want you to look at, John 3, 16 and 17. Everybody knows this. For this is how God loved the world. Listen, I'm telling you, he, he doesn't love you like pizza with pineapple on it. He, he doesn't love you like that. I don't like it, but my wife does. He doesn't love you like you love your new car or motorcycle. God loves you like I'm telling you, he cannot get enough of you. See, we, we talk about, we just sang a song. I can't get enough. I can't get enough of your amazing love. But I'm telling you what, the Lord is singing that in the reverse. He's saying, I can't get enough. I can't get enough of your amazing love. Of your amazing love. Our love is amazing to him. He loves us. We're his children. He loves us. His word says that there's never a time where we aren't on his mind. Now, we go to sleep. There's times that we get busy with work. There's times when we, when we do things that he's not on our mind all the time, but we're always on his mind. And it's not because God is some kind of sovereign, all omniscient God that it's like, I can't get my mind to turn off. I'm trying to stop talking, thinking about Butch, but I, but I can't because I'm God. I'm, I'm omniscient. I know everything. I know everything all the time. I'm everywhere all the time. It is not that. It is his desire. God loves us so much that he thinks about us all the time. He dreams about us all the time. He plans for us all the time. You know the scripture. I know my plans for you, says the Lord. He's planning all the time. He's scheming. Isaiah, not the prophet, but yeah, the prophet from Nigeria, you know, uh, that comes. He uses a word and he's like, Pastor Rife, I have a scheme I want to discuss with you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I, want, I have a scheme. I want to present it to your church. And I'm like, bro, we're going to have to work on your uh, semantics because over here, scheme means something negative. But over there, scheme is just a plan. It's just a plan. It has, it has no, uh, it's, it's, the intent is on the beholder or, or, or the person with it. You know what I'm saying? And God, he has plans for us. God is constantly going, they're going to love it when I do this. They're going to love it when that door opens. I don't know if they're going to like it when I close this door. You know, he loves, but I got to close it because I love them. I love them. I remember when Noah, my little one, he was trying to poke a paperclip or something up in the wall socket. And I told him, I said, stop that. And he's looking at me like I'm crazy. I said, stop that little boy. And he's just messing with it. I said, if you do that one more time, I said, daddy is going to whip you. And he kept trying to do it. I, I just pulled him up. Pap, pap, pap. I tapped that honey a few times. He shed a few tears, didn't understand it. But I guarantee you today, if I ask him, hey, buddy, remember that? Well, you probably don't remember it, but, you know, I stopped you from jamming that paper clip in there. Oh, do you appreciate me doing that? He'd be like, yeah, thank you, but not then. And so, God, he has plans for us. He loves us. He gave his one and only son. 
so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. That word sozo in the Greek, it's sozo. He saved the world, meaning, listen, if you... If you are not walking in deliverance, because that's what that word means. They translate it and they use it to, to uh, uh, serve as the word. Save eternal security. Heal sozo. Save eternal security. Sozo, eternal security. Sozo, healing. Sozo, deliverance. And God gave me this revelation one time. And I, I never had heard that word before. I just went and looked it up, looked the meaning up. And it's like God gave me this revelation that, man, here's, here's joy. Here's joy. When you understand the fullness of salvation, and it's not just a get out of hell card. See, I grew up thinking that's all salvation was. I just don't get to go to hell. But sozo, salvation, save means he came to deliver the church. He came to deliver you so that you're not in bondage, so that whatever has bound you, oppressed you, uh, whether it's mental, physical, or whatever, that he's there to deliver us. But it's also there for healing, spiritual healing, mental healing, all kinds of healing in our lives, our emotional healing. And he's there for that. This is why God loved us. He wanted us to be whole. And there's so many believers that are wandering about in the church today that they are Saved, but they're not truly saved. Stick with me for a second. They're saved eternally, but they are as bound up as they can possibly be because they're not walking in the third dimension of salvation. Are you following me? So when we, when we realize the fullness, it's like, oh my God, you mean I don't have to be addicted to this? Oh my God, I don't have to sink into that place anymore? Oh my God, I don't have to do this, that, or the other? Why? Because there's salvation in those areas of my life too. I want you to look at this. Romans 8, 5 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. You will do some crazy stuff for your children. If they are in trouble, you will do some crazy stuff. You will go to, to some crazy links to save them, to try to keep them from harm because your love is so passionate. Listen, God gave himself for us through his son while we were still sinners. Like, see, it's... It's a risk. I'm going to give him up because I love you so much. Because that's the only way that we can be saved. And there's a risk that you might not accept the sacrifice. But I love you that much. That my most precious gift, I'm willing to risk it. Dude, who does that? Who does that? And that is his love for you and for me. Most of the time, we do not, like if we're paying for a job, we, you know, uh, uh, we, we're, we're putting a down payment down. You, you understand? Because there needs to be some reciprocity on the other side of honor. So that we're not going into this thing and we don't get gypped. He didn't, he took the risk of being gypped. He gave it all when you and I had still not, we didn't even know about him. And whether God knows or not what our choice is, he does not predetermine it. 
You and I have an ability to walk away from God, to not be involved with him. But God loved us. He saved us for himself because we are his. The scripture talks about he's a jealous God. And I don't mean he's jealous like in human terms, like he gets his feelings hurt and he gets all insecure because, you know, you loving some other God more than him. I'm not talking about that. He's, he's like, I will not share you with anybody. You are mine, I love you, and I will not let you adulterate yourself with any other God. I love you, you're mine. I'm not, you know, he's not this controlling God, but he's like, you need to make your mind up. Just take it, me and Shay. I've told my wife many, many times, Listen, I love my wife. I love that woman. We are together. We are ride or die. I hope she's the last one I'm looking at, you know, if I pass from this world before. But I said, I, 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 I'm not going to do anything with anybody else and you. And, you know, we're just not going to do that. We're not, we're not going to be the swinger folks. You know what I'm saying? That's a real deal. I found out at the holidays. That's a, that's a real deal. People really do that. What are you? Like, no, I'm a jealous husband. When it like, no, I'm the only one. I know there are guys that look better than me. I know there are guys that don't have that. I know there are guys that, you know, that, that they, they've got a lot on, they've got a lot on me. But I'm yours and you're mine and we're in covenant. And, and you know, we are in love with each other. And I will not have anybody else having your affections. I will not stand for it. And that's what God means when he says he's a jealous God. He loves us. He doesn't want to share us with anybody else. Look at Romans 8, 11. It says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us his friends. Like we can rejoice, we can activate joy. Why? Because we're in relationship with him. He's not some archaic God, some big creator up there that's afar off. Like that Bette Midler song, God is watching us from a distance. You know, no, he's not watching us from a distance. He's inside of me. He's inside of you if you're a believer and he's walking with me day after day. We're in relationship. When I hurt, he hurts. When I'm joyful, he's joyful. So he is, he is our lover. And I know sometimes for guys, it's hard for us to, to consider a masculine person as our lover. But Jesus, he is our lover. He loves us in the, in the agape sense, not the eros sense. Let's look at chapter two in Luke. And I'm gonna read, um, I'm gonna start at verse six. And I'm going to read down to verse 20. And so we're reading, I'm trying to tie in all of the different accounts of, of uh, the Christmas story here. And so we're at the point where Jesus' birth is about to be announced through the angels to the shepherds, okay? All right. That night, there were shepherds. Stop. These are temple shepherds. These are not just any shepherds throughout Israel. They're in Jerusalem. They are temple shepherds. That's important. Temple shepherds tend the temple sheep. 
They tend the sheep who are being led to the slaughter. They know what it's like about they have to keep them safe. They know what it's like to keep uh, the, the sheep from getting hurt. They know what a spotless lamb looks like. Now, they haven't heard this metaphor as it relates yet to a person. They only know it in the context of, of animals. And so these, these shepherds, they were staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified but the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you glad tidings in some of your ver verses, uh, it says, translations, but in mine it says, I bring you good news. You understand that the gospel is translated good news. What are the angels? See, we, we get this image that uh, what happened in the field was, Angels, behold, fear not, the Lord is born this day in the city of David. You know, we get all, that's, that's kind of like, you know, uh, bada boom, bada bing, now go. You know, we, it's just like real quick. But, dude, the angels are preaching the gospel. Listen, nobody has ever heard the gospel before. They're preaching the gospel, the good news, that it says will bring Great joy to all people. Why? Because they've been walking in darkness for so long. They've been looking. Remember, you focus. Uh, joy is all about what you focus on. They've been looking and focusing on a Savior, on a Messiah that has not come yet. But look, they're not looking for Jesus, the Son of God, Messiah, they're looking for Donald Trump. Mm. They're, looking, they're looking for Joe Biden. You fall, are, oh, come on, man. Stick with me, folks, because it's fixing to get good. Some of y'all are looking at me like, what is he talking about? See, they weren't looking for Jesus. They weren't looking for a savior uh, like uh, of another world, of a heavenly realm. They were looking for a political leader because they were fed up with Roman crap. They were fed up of how the government was treating them. And they had the belief that a Messiah was going to come in and he was going to uh, revamp the government and get rid of the Romans and set up a Jewish state. That's what they were looking for. But they had to be recalibrated in their thinking. So the angels preached the gospel. He said, I bring you glad tidings. I bring you good news that will be to all people, that will, will, will bring joy to all people. And then he says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. What sign? What sign? This is so important, guys. I'm telling you what. I've never had this revelation before. I'm fixing to give you some fresh bread. It might not be fresh to you, but it's fresh to me. I never saw this revelation until the Lord gave it to me to, uh, last night, as a matter of fact. But... You will, you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. We look at that and go, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Which part of that is strange? Hmm? I, 
you know, I always thought, you know, strips of cloth, lying in a manger, all, all of that. Lying in a manger, like they get the strips of cloth. They completely get that. But babies, babies aren't born in stables. Babies are born by midwives. Today, they're born at the hospital. But he said, you'll find the baby. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby so you know you got the right one. He'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes, strips of cloth. Well, they were used to that, but that meant something to them. Because, oh my gosh, this was not a blanket. It was strips of cloth. And that was used when they would wrap up the, uh, the sacrificial lamb to go to the temple mount for sacrifice. They would take it and they would wrap it up. We're not, I know you see in some shows, but they didn't take those lambs. Those were not like the other lambs to, to just cover up your sin uh, uh, that uh, you talked about somebody uh, last week or you had some lustful thought. This was the, the, this was the atonement sacrificial lamb once a year. And when they led that lamb up, they didn't take any chances. They would wrap him up in strips of cloth. And so that's strange because normally we'll wrap a a child in a blanket, but not strips of cloth. But it gets even weirder. He said, you're going to find him laying in a manger. Who puts their baby in, in, in a feeding trough? Who, put, who puts their baby? That'd be like you going down. I don't know. We don't have buffets around here. I guess the closest one is a Chinese place over here on 98. Who, who would think of going uh, and all of a sudden you're getting your green beans and your, you know, your fried rice and your uh, Dr. Ch- and, you know, Cho's whatever shrimp and all of this. And all of a sudden there's a baby. <laughs> all right. It just got weird. Who thinks of putting a baby where you eat? Oh, come on, man. I'm telling you what, that is so prophetic. Because where, where is he born? Where is he born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, if you do some study, it's Bethlehem. Bet meaning bread and lechem being house. I may have those uh, uh, turned backwards. But it means house of bread, house of fresh bread. Think about this. Bethlehem is uh, called the city of fresh bread. Come on, man. There's literally, there is literally a bun in the oven and it's placed in the trough where you eat. And Jesus later in his life, he said, I am the bread of life. Oh my God. He said, I am the bread of life. And when he was he, like, listen, I know we've been taught. I, I truly believe this. I know we've been taught that like, well, they just put him in a manger because that's the only place. Man, I'm telling you, God don't do nothing by mistake. He does not make mistakes. He doesn't, it's not circumstantial to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I, 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 I put y'all in this uh, inn and, and they didn't have room. And I guess y'all can go uh, to the, to the um, you know, the stable and Dude, I totally forgot to prepare something for the baby to be laid in. I guess y'all can use that trough over there, that manger. No, my friend, everything with the Lord is on purpose. And he, what is he doing for you and for me? The Lord is baking up a little fresh bun of bread for us that's going to grow up to be the bread of life. That he said, hey, man, we don't just live by bread alone, but we, we, we live by every word. What is that? The logos, the rhema that comes comes out of the mouth of God. That's who he was. And he is the bread of life. 
to you and me. I'm telling you what, listen to me. I don't even know if I have time to fully unpack this. I don't even know if I have the full revelation on it. You go and you ask the Lord for it, but there's something on that verse right there. There is something on that verse right there that the manna of heaven was placed in this place and they are going, they thought they were going to a stable. Man, they were going to a bakery They were going to where fresh bread had just been born into the earth. And they didn't even know what they were fully going to eat of. They had no clue. Let's look at this a little more. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And peace, if you got a pencil or a pen or something, mark that. And peace, circle it, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The angels were saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, and you got to look at the punctuation, the, the angel said, dude, let's go to Bethlehem. Like they were excited. Let's go. Come on. It's time. To, let's roll. We got to get over there and see what's going on. Why? Because they're, 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 they're thinking out, trying to, trying to decipher the mysteries of God. Like a baby, swaddling clothes. That sounds a lot like what we do. Are you following me? Come on, man. That sounds a lot like what we do when we take the lamb to the temple mount. See, they've never heard the scripture yet. Oh, my God. Imagine when they finally heard out of the lips of our Savior. They had never heard, behold, the lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. They've never heard this before. It hasn't been said. John hasn't been born yet. Well, actually, John had been born at that time. But John would be the one to say that. And so they go. They're trying to figure out the mysteries that have just been spoken to us. Listen, I'm telling you, if God speaks to you some mysteries, hold on to them. I think we'll read uh, next week where Mary, she didn't understand what was going on, man. She didn't understand this stuff, and she just pondered them in her heart. She's like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's good or bad, but he said, don't be afraid. I'm just going to go with it. You know, I'm just going to think about it a little bit. Let it stir a little bit. So they go to Bethlehem and let's see where I left off. 16, I guess. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there the baby was lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened there's, see, there's power in testimony. I'm telling you, if you, dude, you ought to be talking about all your stories all the time about what God does. There's power in testimony. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things. Oh, there it is. And Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. What are they doing? They're, they're, they're activating joy. They're rejoicing. That's what they're doing. They're like, man... I don't know about y'all, but that was cool. I'm just saying, you know, uh, that was cool. All right. And then they were glorifying God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. All right. So say this with me on the screen. Salvation is not to save us from hell. Salvation is to save us for the Father. Look at this. There's three things I just want to point out for us to remember about joy. Number one, Jesus is the source 
of our joy. If you are going through something, I promise you, if you're going through tough times, oh, please come next week. There's a message burning in my bones about next week. Please come next week because that message is for you. John 15, 11 says, I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You've heard that scripture three times this morning because the Lord wants us to understand that he is the source of our joy. Joy and happiness are different. Happiness is fleeting. It's up and down. It's emotional. It's all over the place. Joy is not emotional. It manifests many times, symptomatically in a good way, uh, through um, through our feelings. But joy is something that goes much deeper than that. And when you walk in Christ, you have a source of joy and it's supposed to be overflowing, meaning that, you know, there are times in your world that you need, you need joy to overflow into that. Why? Because it's dry or because it's scary or because it's uh, painful. You need joy to just flow over into that part of your life. There are times when joy from your life needs to flow over into somebody else's life because there have been times, I told you about this last week, where I was at a, at a place where I was disoriented and I needed people that were, that were not disoriented, that they were at a good place, that they said, listen, brother, I wanna tell you, your circumstances are not truly... Uh, uh, I know you feel like they're real, but your circumstances, this is going to pass. This too will pass. I didn't feel like it would pass, but they had more joy than I had. They were healthier than I was, and their joy flowed over and reassured me. That's why our joy should be at a place of overflowing. I want you to look at this. Joy and peace are partners, Think about this. Joy and peace are partners. Look at Luke uh, chapter 2. We just read this. Suddenly the angel was joined by the vast hosts of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace, shalom on earth to those whom God is pleased. Many times in scripture when you see joy, peace is looming somewhere close. When you find there's this overwhelming sense of joy, peace is a partner. And so I'm telling you what, if you are not at a place where you feel peace, if you are not at a place where you, you know, like, am I joyful? Is, is, do I need help in this area? If your peace is not there, it's a warning sign. It's like that check engine light that's going off. If you don't have peace, it's time for you to go to Holy Spirit. It's time for you to go to God and say, God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? Because you said my joy is supposed to be overflowing. You said I'm supposed to have peace on earth, like on this earth. We're not just supposed to have peace. Yes, in this world, you'll have tribulation. We'll talk about tribulation next week, but let's talk about peace right now. I want to speak to you. If you are at a place that you do not feel peace in your world, it's time for you to do a self-evaluation and say, God, what's going on right now in my life, in my world? Look at, look at this. Joy and peace are partners, but joy and peace, they can both be stolen, but they can both be restored. We know this. John 10, 10 says the thief, that's Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy Satan will destroy your peace. He will destroy the things that make you 
at a place of peace. He will destroy your joy. He will come and he will try to snatch that away. Well, I didn't think a fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience. I didn't think fruit of the Spirit could be stolen. Listen, if the devil can steal the word, he can steal joy. Are you following me? The parable about the seed, some seed fell, the, 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 the enemy came and stole it, snatched it away, you know? So it can be stolen. But this, I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Overflowing joy in our life. It's an overflowing joy. And listen, not overwhelming happiness, not overflowing happiness, overflowing joy. The difference between those two. And if you, I don't have the time to go into to all of that. I'm trusting you to do some study on your own. Go find out what's the difference between happiness and joy because there is a difference. Look at this. Psalm 51, 12. This is King David saying this. It sa- he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. David is writing this psalm It's basically a song. He's writing this after he's killed uh, Uriah. He's uh, impregnated a woman that is not his, taken her illegally. Uh, He's uh, had an illegitimate child. He's, He's, I mean, he's off track, man. He's off track. But, he's, but, he, but Nathan confronts him, the prophet, and now he's back on track. And this is a song of repentance that he writes. And he's crying out. He's like, this is a guy who has just come through a terrible time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's been in the valley, man. He thought that was going to be good. But he, he's tasting from the wrong cup. And it brought a world of misery on him. And he has lost his joy it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore, meaning it was, it's lost. I want to get back to that place. I want to get back to that place again. Do you remember the first time that you got saved? Do you remember the joy that you had there? Remember the joy that you had when you first got married? Remember the joy that you, when you held him or her, the little ones, in your arms for the very first time? Now they're older and they're in college and they're draining your finances dry and they're bugging the, you know what I'm saying. It's like, you, I, I, I know, I know, like, you know, we start off with these moments and then boom, 20 years down the road, it looks so, 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 so different. And I'm telling you, some of y'all need to claim the joy of, 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 of salvation again. God, take me back to the moment. God, take me back to the time. God, take me back to the circumstances that surrounded and how I felt in that moment. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I'm telling you what, man, people have lost their joy in their salvation during this season, there are people that they've just given up. They've just given up on, on, on any kind of relationship with the Lord. And can I tell you, man, y'all can get mad at me if you want to, but you cannot have a relationship with the Lord outside of an active practice of it. You can't. Well, preacher, I don't believe you got to go to church to practice your faith. You don't, but you probably won't. Most people that I know that... I don't know a whole lot of on-fire world changers that are outside the church, you know. They're building a kingdom, but it's not the kingdom. And, and it, community is vital. And so there are times where people lose their joy. Sometimes 
They've just lost it because they lost the purpose of why they're doing what they're doing. And so I want to call you back to a place. Remember what it was like when you first got saved. I remember when I first got saved. I'm telling you, I loved the house of God. We didn't have anything fancy at our church. It was a church that was about the size of that part of the room. We didn't have anything fancy. We didn't have any, I mean, it was just a little old church. But there was something in that church, man. I'm telling you, I would sit back and I would watch the Holy Ghost. And I didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was. I didn't even believe. I didn't even know that I, I, I didn't know if I wanted to be a part of any of that. But I would sit back and I was, I was usually sitting back there about the second row from the back. And I would just watch in wonder. And think, these people are out of their mind. There she goes. And, and, I, and it was a sign. It was a wonder. And they were happy and joyful. And it was electric. And I'm telling you, as a 15, 16-year-old kid, I started getting there about 16 like really buying in. I couldn't wait to get to the house of, the God, of, of God. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for the doors to open. I would get there before the doors were open. I volunteered for everything I could and I just loved being in the house of the Lord. Well, Pastor Rife, didn't you get burnt out? No, I didn't and I never have. I've been in ministry for, I'm guessing over 30 years now. Most of that full time. Have I gotten tired? Absolutely. Have I wanted to quit? Mm, on a few occasions. And when I say that, I mean it's just a few. I'm telling you, I love the Lord. I've accepted his call upon my life. My call is not your call. My call is not your assignment. Your assignment your call is your call. But I fell in love with Jesus. I'm still madly in love with him. And I tell you what, when I feel the times in my life that it's growing a little cold, I, I, I recognize that. And I've surrounded people. I've had people that surround me because I am not above getting stale. I'm not above getting cold. I'm not above, you know, like my wife's always like want me to be more, more romantic, you know. Like, I'm just not a typically romantic person, you know, that do all that little lovey-dovey stuff because my love language is serving. It's not words. It's not gifts. But there are times when I will grow cold and people who I surround myself with call it out in me. And they don't, they don't just call it out because they see it. They ask me very pointed questions because, see, they're not around me as much as you guys are. And many times, like, I could mask it and fake it. And guys, I've been in ministry with people who have faked it. And I'm just not going to be that way. And I know raw is sometimes not as pleasant as fake rife would be. 
But I've seen people do the whole, you know, praise the Lord, everything is wonderful today, and their marriage is falling apart behind the scenes. I've I've seen those people, and I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just saying, like, we are all human, and we go through these times. And there are times where I've submitted myself to people as accountability. And so they don't wait to see something wrong in my life. They dig for it. They search for it. They ask me those hard questions. And y'all can ask my wife. I can't lie. I tried to lie to her a few times. You can't. She liked God. She liked the Holy Spirit. You cannot. You cannot pull one over. So I'm a terrible liar. And I, and I thank God. Listen to me. I thank God for that gift. I thank God that I cannot lie. I mean, I can But I thank God that I don't do it well. I thank the Lord that if I even try, you'll see it on my face because I can't do it. So joy and peace that can be stolen, guys, we can receive that back. David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. God, bring back both spiritually, marriage, your relationships with your children, relationships with people that are broken. I still have relationships that I long for them to be healed. But they're still broken, not because I want them to be. They just are. And I pray, God, restore to me the joy that I had when it was beautiful. Where I enjoyed seeing them come. Where I enjoyed having lunch with you. I enjoyed those times, those long talks. So, joy and peace can be stolen. So, how can I apply this? How can I apply this? Say it with me. Salvation is not to save us from hell. Salvation is to save us for the Father. God's saving you unto himself. He's, he, you know, I know this is not the right way to say this. God's greedy when it comes to you. You know he's not. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves me. How can I apply this? Let me go through them real quick. I want you to read Romans chapter 8. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make a lot of sense from this message today, and it's going to prepare you for next week. Read Romans chapter 8, okay? And then this is what I, I want you to take back your peace. We used to sing this song uh, years ago, and I know it doesn't match the music he's playing behind me right now. Don't even stop. You keep doing what you're doing. But, but we used to sing this song. Well, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole. You know, you get the point. Hey, man, you just need to march up in his house, in his space, and say, you've stolen this from me. I'm taking it back. Come on. I'm taking it back. I'm, you're not going to, in this relationship, you stole it, I'm taking it back. And you know what? You be prepared because the Lord said, well, if you take it back, you got to go get it. You know, you got, if you take it back, you got to go get it. That means that you're waiting on them to apologize to you. No, you're going to have to be the apologizer. You're going to have to initiate. Go get what's yours. Go get what's yours. Take it back. And be willing to do whatever the Lord says to do it. And then uh, this is, I want you to join us in January for our 21-day feast. And Shay said, do you mean 21-day fast? Uh, Because she proofs all this stuff. 
And I said, no. I said, it's going to be a 21-day feast. Come on, there's more buy-in, right? I mean, more of us rather be eating than starving, right? Why? I'm telling you what, the Lord spoke to me to do this. You know, everybody does, and we we typically do a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. We're not going to do a 21-day fast. We're going to do a 21-day feast, January 1st through January uh, 21st. And and this is why. We're going to do 21 days of communion, 21 days of the Lord's feast. And every day, for those of you who will partner with us, we're going to, for 21 days... We are going to take communion. Some of it will be corporately. Some of it's going to be privately. You're going to have to be big boys and big spiritual girls. And you're going to just have to get your own elements and get, get, it, get it and do it at work. And I'm telling you what, God is going to do something through that. I'm, he's going to do something through that. And I want you to partner with me. I want you to begin to pray in. This is something I've never, never heard of. But Lord, I, I heard the Lord say, listen, born Unto us this day in the city of David is fresh bread. In the house of fresh bread, the bread of life is born in Bethlehem. A Savior is born to you this day. And the Lord said, instead of fasting, I want you to feast. And we're going to remember. We're going to go forward by remembering backwards. We're going to go forward by testimonies. Come on, man. There's some folks in this room right now that you got some testimonies. And we're just going to spend 21 days of feasting on testimonies and on look what God has done. And it's going to be an incredible time. So on, on uh, January 1st, we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about that as the weeks come.